0: I was an old professor and did research and did what all professors do except that i also work on days and weekends and nights and days and on vacation which led to my burnout i had to either literally die or take charge of my life and what we used to say about work-life balance is Get a hobby, do something different, death from overwork, and people in their 40s are dropping and dead simply because they work from seven to 11, it happens all the time. Well, that's where the boundaries come in. A lot of people blame their work on the workplace or their boss, it just doesn't work that way. We always have the power within us to make choices and to set
1: boundaries. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your host, Mitch Simon, here on the West Coast, and today we're thrilled to have Brian Robinson. You may have heard of Dr. Robinson and his work as highlighted on NPR 2020, The Morning Show, and NBC World News Tonight. He is a founder and chief architect officer of Comfort Zones Digital, Inc. He's author of 40 books, including his most recent, which I have right here, Chained to the desk in a hybrid world Um, a guide to work-life balance and chill turn off your job and turn on your life he is a professor emeritus at the university of north carolina where he conducted research on the effects of work workaholism on marriage and children of workaholics he hosted the pbs documentary overdoing it how to slow down and take care of yourself He maintains a private psychotherapy practice in Asheville, North Carolina, where he is right now, and resides in the Blue Ridge Mountains with his spouse, three dogs, one cat, several tropical birds, and occasional bears at night. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Actually, we have more
0: bears now than we've ever had. Really? Oh, yeah. Those bears are getting hungry. They're hungry all the time. They love our garbage and uh but you know what we live in their space they don't live in ours
1: They so. true that's that's true so let's start our, our conversation by asking a question we ask everyone um as you've navigated the covid world and watched people in the workplace move to virtual and hybrid what have you learned about yourself and what have you bl- learned about uh, the other people that you work with
0: well uh i've learned about myself how important people are in my life and um being removed from that uh, at some point was nice and uh, I got a lot of done, uh, but I really miss being with people. And I think that that social isolation was one of the biggest problems people were having because you, as you probably know, mental health issues skyrocketed during that time and have continued to pretty much stay pretty high since the pandemic. Uh, depression, anxiety, uh, stress. Uh, And part of that was uh, people working more at home, uh, working, uh, burning the midnight oil. And you would think if someone's working at home, they would be eating the chocolate cake in the fridge and doing the laundry while working. But what we found uh, was people were uh, overworking. Because they didn't have the boundaries, and so the other thing is the importance of boundaries in our lives. Uh, if you're living and working under the same roof, you've got to have a sense of separation, or it will swallow you whole. Yeah, it's
1: it definitely um, demanded on on individuals to to create boundaries for themselves, which was which was uh, dif- more difficult because nobody was looking. So it was just really, really, completely up to you. Um, so let's let's just dive in straight to your book. Um, seems like you're a very prolific author, and um, "Chain to Your Desk in a Hybrid World: A Guide to Work-Life Balance." And um, I'm just I'm just interested. First, um, what was the genesis of the, genesis of the book? Um, what led you to writing this book? And then I'm also interested in um, "Chain to Your Desk in a Hybrid World." Um, is this a title that is comes of late because of all the hybrid? Or were you thinking about this before the pandemic?
0: Well, I was thinking about it before the pandemic because the, it originated from my own personal experience with the lack of boundaries with work and my own demise, uh, if you will. Uh, when I was a professor at the university, I was a full professor and um, did research and did what all professors do, except that. I also worked on holidays and weekends and nights and days and on vacation, uh, which led to my burnout, uh, of course. And um, I had to uh, either uh, literally die or take charge of my life. And, you know, sometimes when the worst things happen to us, it can be the best things that happen to us. It's one of those paradoxes in life. And so as it stared me in the face, I realized, uh, I'll give you an example. I was with my family on vacation once and they put their foot down and said, you're not working on this trip. And so like any normal workaholic, I sneaked my work, like an alcoholic would sneak a drink when they're told they can't drink under the spare tire and in the, my jeans. And once I got there, the and everybody said, Let's go walk on the beach, I uh, pretended uh, I was going to rest and sleep. And I thought that was great. And I watched them leave. And as soon as they were gone, I pulled out my workout and worked feverishly until I heard them coming back. And then as they came in, I I pretended I'd been sleeping and I would yawn and stretch, and uh, which sounds, as I say it to you now, pretty thick, at, which it was, uh, it is a sickness. Work addiction is a sickness. If you're a true workaholic, you cannot turn it off, or at least you can, but you don't know how. Um, and what we used to say, about work-life balance is get a hobby, uh, do something different, meditate, Well, you tell that someone who is an alcoholic and it's like speaking Greek when you're English speaking. It makes no sense at all. And it's impossible to do. So what I have learned uh, in my own recovery is it's really about, I'm looking at it from a neuroscience point of view, it's really about gas and brakes. If you drive a car you know you will not get out of your driveway if you're all brakes. You gotta have gas. But you will also learn that you will go off the cliff if you don't have brakes. So workaholics have a lot of gas, which is the sympathetic nervous system, the source of fight or flight and stress. And they don't have enough of the call parasympathetic nervous system, which is the balance, that's the brakes. That's when you turn it off, you, uh, relax, you think of something else, you uh, develop self compassion, you learn how to treat yourself the way you love and treat other people. Um, and that's really what balance is it, it's not just about going, it's not external, it's internal. Uh, and so it, we need boundaries outside of ourselves, but we've got to have the boundaries on the inside. And uh, so it's that's one of the ways that that I think about balance
1: just for, uh, for our own sake, like, is it that, how would I know I'm a workaholic? Is it because I don't have balance? Is it because I don't uh, know when to turn it off? Um, because I, you know, I'm, I work all the time. So I'm just trying to figure out, um, when, you know, when can I know that it's an issue?
0: Well, you'll hear, You'll get cues from people who love and care about you, your friends, colleagues, and family. Uh, and you know, many times the workaholic will deny it, that uh, I'm just working to provide a good life for, for you guys, which is uh, partly true, but not totally true. The, the real truth is they may not even be aware that they can't turn it off or they somehow deny that it's a problem and that it's just the way they are. So sometimes it takes uh, a family uh, complaining and drawing the line. Sometimes it takes uh, uh, health problems, uh, whether it's uh, psychosomatic or cardiovascular. We know there's a high correlation with overworking. Uh, In Japan, there's a name for uh, death by overwork. It's called koloshi. Learned to pronounce it correctly kaloshi means death from overwork and people in their 40s are dropping dead simply because they work from 7 to 11 they're called 7 11 workers in our country we don't for our um vernacular english we don't have a a word for it but um it happens all the time people drop dead for from overworking in the country and we call it heart attack but and sometimes it's it's Sometimes it's because people work day and night, weekends, holidays, and vacations, and they will often say they're driven by a company or by you know an external source when really, in fact, it's that little message in their brain that's driving them that says they have to, they must, and they can't turn it off. Once they're aware of that, uh, there, there's a, a way to work with that little voice in their head and it it requires an outside lane of setting boundaries and an inside lane of being aware when the workaholic is driving you instead of you driving it work is a great thing it's not a bad thing and a lot of people say to me why what's wrong with hard work i'm not talking about hard work i'm talking about people who work disproportionately to Uh, having an intimate relationship or uh, taking care of themselves or being with their kids. And these are symptoms of the lack of intimacy, the inability to be intimate in a relationship, the inability to be there for your kids and your spouse or your partner, Um, the lack of self-care and working yourself to death, Uh, eating on the run, um, over Overdoing it, overloading yourself, uh, the inability to play and let go and be spontaneous. Um, uh, we, there's something called that I've developed called brownouts, which are equivalent to alcoholic blackouts. Uh, and it's when you remember conversations with uh, your spouse or a friend or a colleague you know, because your mind was working and you ask that question again or you revisit it and people will look at you with rolled eyes saying we've just already talked about this and you don't remember it so those are a few of the symptoms of um, binging some people have told me they binge like an alcoholic and they sleep in their clothes and they wake up just like an alcoholic who's been binging with uh, alcohol or a drug addict matter
1: so those are some of the simple what about um you know there's so many people who who say or and actually feel like you know i absolutely love my work um i love the the clients i work with i you know i'm so uh, stimulated intellectually by the work um it's i actually enjoy that you know working more than let's say playing golf or playing tennis um What would you say to somebody like that who is kind of really happy, um, enjoying the work that they do maybe 10 to 12 hours a day, six days, seven days a week?
0: Well, it's not about the number of hours you work. It's about uh, the inability to turn it off. So I love my work too. I love my work now more than I've ever in my life. But the difference now is I'm drawn before I was driven and and what I mean by that is the uh, work addiction came from two sources one was uh, external uh, demands made up, upon me uh, the wherever I worked and also the little voice in my head this that I have to I must I should I call that masturbation uh, that's a a point a, a, Term coined by uh, Albert Ellis, who's a famous psychologist, uh, because what we realize is we're putting pressure on ourselves. The difference in that, when drawn, it comes from a different place up on the inside. It's not pressured. It's not I have to. It's I want to, and I get to, and I look forward to, and I'm making choices, conscious choices, about how I live in life. So it's great when people say they love their jobs. This is not about a lot of workaholics' jobs. But if they look at the whole spectrum of their lives, what's happening in their intimate relationship? What's, if they have kids, what's happening with that? Um, so sometimes the denial is there in their blind spots, and they're only focusing on their work. It can be, workaholism can be very narcissistic. It can be, you can get really self absorbed, But if you're a true workaholic, people around you are pulling the hair out and upset that you're not uh, investing in them in terms of your attention and your love and your care. Yeah, maybe financially, forward, that's great, but that's not enough. That's not a relationship. Um, and your friends wonder, where have you been? And why well, don't I ever see you anymore? and uh, ironically when you if you work for a company companies will often start to say no this is uh, you're pushing this too much and I've had clients actually who have been either suspended or fired from a job because as workaholics they require unreasonable goals for people to work under them and they were burning people out so it can backfire even in terms of the work that you do what
1: would you advise to um a leader who has a bunch of people under him or under her who who just can't turn it off um because you know the leader is um being rewarded for results that he or she produces and if he has uh she has um a bunch of people under her that are just killing it you know what's how do you talk to that when you know you're getting bonuses and you're getting accolades um and your people seem to love working
0: that kind of describes my life I was getting accolades and all kinds of stuff but the people in my immediate life were not happy and um which made me not too happy if people closest, closest to me are not happy um you know if you're working for a workaholic um most people I know, in most situations that I know where this has happened, the people are not happy because they are driven uh, and they are pushed and they're overloaded and they're scolded. Uh, and that doesn't feel good. Uh, and it also affects if the final product, whatever it is that your work turns turns out. Well, what we know from the research is people who are workaholic actually often create more problems or slow things down as opposed to um, having the best effect because they're not team players. They tend to be very controlling. Uh, They have trouble letting go of projects and sharing it with other people. Um, And because of the, in the final stages of alcoholism, because of the problems with the mental health and the physical health, they have more sickness or absenteeism, so it's not what we what it looks like on the surface, um, but if you work for a workaholic and you are unhappy, you can't fire them, um, but there there are things that, that you either have to do if, if you don't quit, I don't recommend anybody quitting because they work for a workaholic unless it's really, what really happens is, people working for the workaholic start to show some of the same symptoms as a workaholic because it's not their um, natural way. And when you're not balanced, I don't care what you're doing and and what you're turning out, if you're not doing it in a balanced way, there's a point at which you're a shooting star and you're going to crash. It happens all the time to people. But if you're leading a more balanced life, and, and taking care of yourself, you're gonna have a long career trajectory. And again, that's research-based, that's, research that's evidence-based.
1: Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. Let's go back to your title, Chain to the Desk. What do I do? If, um, I think I'm a workaholic, if I'm not workaholic, but I'm definitely working too much. Um, how do I, push should away, like, how do I, cause it's, you know, the, this is for, um, you know, before COVID now, during COVID after, um, yeah. my laptop is so beautiful. It sounds so nice. Um, I get a lot of reward out of working and people going, Oh Mitch, that's so great um, I can wake up and my work is here. I can lunch. My work is here. I can go out. I can come home and 11 o'clock at night. My work is, it could be here. What is a person to do, um, with it being so available like a drug, right? It's, you know, out. Yeah. Alcohol is everywhere. It's on every street corner. Work is actually within, it could
0: be in every room in your house. So what do you do? Well, that's where the boundaries come in. You know, a lot of people blame their work addiction on the workplace, or their boss, or uh, an alcoholic's tend to blame other people for their drinking. Uh, It just doesn't work that way. We can't blame the supermarket for food addiction, Um, you know, so we certainly can't blame the workplace. We always have the power within us to make choices and to set boundaries. One of the things about working at home, I kind of alluded to this uh, a few minutes ago, is if I'm working at home, I have to, think, I personally think of my space where I am right now, is I have a really big office downstairs away from the rest of the house. When it, it comes, usually five o'clock, uh, imagine across town six or seven miles away So I have this mental boundary. It's just not a place that I go to. I don't need to go there uh, in off hours. And if I do, it has to be uh, for a very good reason. It's an agreement I have. My spouse and I had an agreement. We don't talk about work uh, at meals anymore. It used to take over everything. So it's really about just asking yourself, what are the boundaries I need to set, either external or internal? the other thing that is really has really been important in modern recovery is uh present moment awareness mindfulness is become uh, mainstream now and it can really make a big difference in your internal life that spills over into your external life so it's really about when we're working we're usually in our head and we're not in the present moment we're in, in our head but if you just take and research cares this out, a few minutes will reset your brain every once in a while. I'm just saying a few minutes. I call them micro chillers. I talk about this in the book. Micro chillers are three to five minutes, a few times a day, where you just take time out and you just listen to the sounds around you, notice the people, the colors, maybe the wind. Uh, nature is a great way to do it. Um, if you do that for three to five minutes, you're going to be more productive, you're going to be more clear-minded, uh, and it's really going to pay off, not only uh, in your production, but also in your mental health. So uh, as little as three to five minutes if want micro chillers or micro breaks, whether it's just getting up and stretching, um, walking up and down stairs, if you're in an office you can't go outside and it's bad weather, or looking out the window at a tree or the birds, uh, it it sounds so simple, but it really does reset your brain, uh, so that you can be better at what you do, and it brings balance.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. It, are there any um, are there any companies that you're familiar with or leaders that you're familiar with um, who are encouraging their teams or their entire company to have a more balanced approach to their desk and to work in general, and and um, could you share that?
0: There are a lot, a lot more, uh, and you know, the the top is uh, Ariana Huffington Thrive Global. All mm-hmm. of her employees, uh, I've, I've actually been there you know, to her office, and they everything they do has to do with uh, self care first. They really practice what they preach. Their whole thing is thriving, not just surviving. So they their environment is one in which they have a sleeping cubes if they need to take a nap, you know, while they're working. If they maybe were working the day before too too much, or they had a sleepless night, um, they have something called thrive right time, and she talks about. A work-life integration so that if you need to take time off during the day to take your kids to the doctor or go to a school event or a soccer game, you you get to do that. And if you had a day before where you had to work uh, a little bit overtime to get something finished, you get to take time off on the next day. So it's a flexible work environment where in, in, no one is driving you and demanding where you uh, monitor yourself and do the things you need to do to take care of yourself first, like the uh, oxygen mask metaphor, uh, and this is the kind of thing that Thrive Global is all about. It's what they they practice and it's what they preach. And there's some even before a meeting, they will have people take a few minutes and just go inside, all of employees, and um, just get settled in and. So it, they're incredible. And there are others others too, but I would say they're probably the best model right now.
1: Do you have any um opinion, you know, as as managers or companies are asking people to go back to the office, let's say, one to five days a week. Do you have any opinion on um given that they're given so much research we know about taking care of ourselves self care? is this going back to the office going to be a healthier move for employees or a less healthier move?
0: Well, if you look at the data, the research, there's a lot of research that's been done on this. Uh, it It's not the best thing for the individual's mental health uh, because we're able to, you, you know, everybody thought, well, we're going to be homeless. We're going to be eating the chocolate cake and doing things screwing up or screwing off. The truth is, uh, they're getting more done. Uh, they are less stressed. They have more time. Uh, they are spending less time driving to the destination, buying clothes that they have to you know, dress a certain way. So it's a, it's really different and they're calmer which is the whole idea of being able to work should not have to be hurtful painful and stressful it doesn't have to be it should be something we enjoy because you're going to do better at it you're going to invest in it you're going to be more engaged more productive your performance is going to be higher and you're going to stick around with that organization longer one of the things we're seeing is people are leaving in droves it's called the great resignation to begin with uh, because of the, the pandemic pandemic started it uh but now that you said they're being asked well actually they're being it's demanded that they're coming back they're not being asked um so uh that in and of itself reflects you know the iron fist approach from the dark ages that no longer works you know that that's a fact we have so much evidence of that when people are treated like objects uh, and not like human beings, and when we lose the humanity, we lose productivity, we lose performance, we lose engagement, and then eventually we literally lose people because they're going to go to places where the newer innovative companies are really, and there are a lot of them putting this into practice, where they want people to take time off. They require them to take vacation. They uh, care about them. They check in with them. They ask how they're doing. Yeah, uh, so uh, that's really different, and that's what people are moving toward, and that's what employees are being drawn to.
1: Great. Well, Brian, if you have um, that reference to that research, I'm sure our listeners would absolutely love that. It's in the book. It's all in the book. Oh, fantastic. All this is in the book. So let's talk about this as we wrap this up. Chained to the desk in a hybrid world. Um, A Guide to Work-Life Balance. Where can we find out more about you and uh, get a copy of this book?
0: My website is Brian Robinson Books. Um, www.brianrobinsonbooks. Uh, I get it confused with my email sometimes. That's why I hesitate. Uh, that has uh, everything about me and it has the videos. Everything's free on there. And it has... Uh, Book of the books that you can take a look at and the test you can take to see if you are a workaholic and it will be electronically scored that is wow that's kind of
1: a, I guess the most valuable uh, part here so you have a you have a test on can i check out if i am a workaholic yes and hopefully what to do about it and so brian rob so brian robinson books.com and brian is with a y so it's b-r-y-a-n mm-hmm. if uh, you're not if you're not uh, watching or you're hearing an audio well, Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming out from uh, from Asheville, North Carolina. I heard it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess I'm going to go take a, a wellness break right now and uh, get ready for my next podcast. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be with you. Hey, good luck on your book. Bye-bye. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast podcast platform. Your support helps us grow. And by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.